Hey guys, so before the episode starts, I wanted to pop in and just say that top picks for skincare is now fully complete. So that's facial skincare. We are going to move on to the other areas that we did do topics for, which includes things like body care, hair care, um, and some couple of other things that are related to wellness, including fragrance. So stay tuned for those. And thank you to all of the brands that have really shown up and supported us and accepted our award with so much um, just pride. And we are so humbled to see that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate it. The whole skincare anarchy team is just rooting all of you brands out there on and keep making your amazing products. And for everyone listening that is on the consumer, end of things i really urge you guys use these decks as your guides when you're out shopping when you're at your sephora when you're out there just trying to find products for just daily use use these as your guidance because they are genuinely the best of the best of 2023 and they're all divided up into wonderful and very um convenient categories for all of you to really kind of hone in on but thank you so much to everyone and i hope you love this episode coming up it is a little bit of a different kind of episode for us because with all of the makra regulations going on that the FDA is now implementing, we really wanted to bring on, um, you know, more of a manufacturing side to things and understanding how the manufacturing of products works. So we couldn't think of the of a better person to interview than Mary Berry, who is the founder of Cosmos Labs. And I'm so excited for you to dive into the episode and learn about Cosmos Labs and what they do. But just, you know, to get your feet wet a little bit about this, because we are going to be seeing some shifts in the next, I think, you know, months and a couple of years down the road um so really kind of hone in and listen to this and um if you have any questions at all i always remind you guys at the end of the episode you can always email us at skincareanarchy at gmail.com and we love hearing from you so please chime in whether it's about the episode or top picks or anything at all including the safe seal which is now available for to apply to for brands so definitely chime in if you're interested in that there's also a link in our link tree for all the brands out there that want to get in on the safe seal so please uh, utilize that link fill out the form and we will be notified and we can set up a call but i really hope you guys love the episode coming up thank you so much Welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is your host, Ekta, and I have such a lovely guest with me today. I'm such a fan because she's truly extraordinary and her work really speaks for itself. Um, she's revolutionizing the industry and has been doing so for quite a while now. Um, originally, just to give you a little bit of uh, background, we're going to be interviewing uh, Mary Berry today and she was the founder of Texas Beauty Labs and um, Texas Beauty Labs was sold in 2019. They were renamed to the Good Kind Company, which was, it's a manufacturing, um, you know, lab and now she has re-established um her work in cosmos labs so i'm really excited to welcome her here under the umbrella of cosmos Labs. so welcome to the show mary i'm so honored to be hosting you oh my gosh i'm so excited to be here thank you so much for having me Oh, it's it's truly an honor. It's truly a privilege because I, I don't get to talk to, um you know, professionals such as yourself. And I really want to because I don't know much about the manufacturing side of things when it comes to, um you know, wellness products, beauty products, whatever it is. And it's just really an honor. So I, I would love to dive in, but I really want to learn all about you and kind of um, get the tale from you directly. You know what I mean? About your yeah. adventures and how everything began. So if you could walk us down memory lane, that'd be a really great place to start. 
Oh my gosh, my memory lane is really, really long. <laughs> yeah, I'll we have time. Okay, I'll start. You just tell me. You just tell me if it's too much. Um, okay, so I literally started then my first business in my garage in my house, and I started. I had my own brand back in the early two thousands. It's called Be Pure, and and then I started making actually it was candles for a friend of mine because she had a baby and couldn't do it anymore. And I realized I really liked making other people's things. Um, and I had hired a cosmetic chemist. She was like a classically trained cosmetic chemist. Um, and when we're, I was doing my own line, you know, we were buying bases and like fluffing them up and putting extra things in it and then bottling it. And then she was like, you know, we can make this from scratch. And I was like, oh no, I'm sorry. This is what we do. We buy it we fluff it up and we bottle it. And she, um, one day I got a shipment that I couldn't use. And so like it had frozen or something and it was unusable. And so she had already had a formula. She made an emulsion in front of my eyes, putting oil and water together. And I was hooked. Like, I was like, oh my God, it's like magic <laughs> like, because, you know, it was oil and it was water and then it went together and it was a lotion. And I was just like, I mean, it just like, even to this day, I like get mesmerized by it. Um, so, you know, we started that. So I stopped doing, it was called Be Pure. I stopped doing that. And then I started Texas Beauty Labs and that was in my house for a little while too. Like we um, took over even the living room, put an in indoor outdoor carpet um, and in 2008, we moved out into our first manufacturing facility. We only had a few clients and we had high school kids that would come fill the products and that like after school um, and all that. And so um, after we like moved out, we had to move back in after nine months because I um, it was 2008 and all of my clients had like that was when the economy wasn't doing well and all they all kind of like didn't do great. And so. Um, I was like eight months pregnant, moved back in the house. Um, and then we just kind of continued on. So, you know, basically fast forward, we got to move out again in about a year. Um, and while, while we were in the house, like my husband and I lived upstairs um, and all the manufacturing was happening downstairs um, and we were really tiny. Um, and when we moved back out of the house, um, we got like a 4,000 square foot space and, you know, we just kind of kept growing little by little. Um, you know, our first big client, I can talk about a few clients. Um, yeah. our, our first big client was Milk and Honey. Um, they are a spa here in Austin. Um, now they're like all over the U.S. But um, so they were, we made their back bar and we made kind of the Milk and Honey products. But we're really small. So, you know, before, before what I'm about to tell you, we, were, we had about nine employees. We were about 500K in revenue. So small. And I had had two babies. So like... You know, I was just like getting everything together. Um, and I got a call from a guy named Moise Ali. And he was like, do you make deodorant? And I was like, no, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, no, because I thought antiperspirant was deodorant. I didn't know the difference even at this time. Um, and so he finally like talked me into trying it. And we did. And um, he was the founder of Native Deodorants. Um, so we started with native deodorant and making 500 sticks a week. Uh, That was hard for us because we only had nine employees from me down to the dishwasher. And we, um, you know, we scaled up to doing 24,000 a day, every day, six days a week within 18 months, all by hand. Um, so it was just, it was a lot. Um, cause you know, we were, we were small, like I didn't have like, you know, my major was tourism. 
Um, so, but, you know, we had a team that was really committed, um, that really cared. And we were like, really excited to like, you know, work with native and, uh, that was before they were big though. I can, how he's selling all those deodorants and I'm like, basically, what is he doing with all these? Like, there's so many. <laughs> he's <laughs> <boarding them. laughs> I know. Well, I was like, he's just putting them in a warehouse somewhere. Um, well, because like that was, he was one of the first direct to consumer guys. Right. So like, yeah, you know, yeah. it was, you know, cutting edge of the time. And so, um, you know, after we got like kind of our feet under us um, with Native, we started really working on other people's stuff besides Native. Um, and we just made a ton of deodorant because everyone knew we did Native. So, you know, that was kind of our shtick back then was DO and um, with Texas Beauty Labs. And so, you know, we we got on the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies two years in a row. Um, and it was just a wild ride, like so fun and wild and crying under the table and all of it, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't, Im- I mean, that's, that's crazy though, that you guys were doing 24,000, you said, like per yes, day? day. Yeah. Wow. Other clients. So like it was probably more around 30, 32,000 a day of items, things. I mean, did you sleep, Mary? I feel like that's oh like literally no sleep. <laughs> oh my God. No. But one time I found out, like I'd been traveling and like, we were so busy. Our compounders like slept in the car. Like they like, wow. we're here so late and we're going to be here so early in the morning. And like, when I found out, I was like, oh my God, you guys, this is not worth it. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're not like, the curing cancer here we're making deodorants like we can people can't sleep in their cars like and it's not you know what it's crazy you say that mary and and not to interrupt you but like i find that so often with like for example like you know you are you know a high-powered businesswoman and i feel like that drive it just takes over you know what i mean it's just like oh my gosh like we need to cut you know make a line like draw a line at one point yeah where is our line you know so i i get it i get it that's crazy though yeah I'm very employee focused, employee forward, like, you know, we're like, I can sit here all day long and hope to do things, you know, and, but if everyone, every single person in this building is not on board and not committed, then like, you know, it's not going to work. Like right now today we have 65 employees and every person here is super committed, super cares. That is the key to this kind of business. I totally get that. Wow. I mean, I'm just like in shock right now. I mean, in the, in the best <laughs> way though, because that is like, I mean, talk about the hustle, right? I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, and that's why I'm so excited to be talking to you because manufacturing to me has always been a gray area because I'm literally, I literally sit here and I look at these brands and I'm like, oh my gosh, like who makes your products? You know what I mean? Like the people, well, the people who are bottling these like formulas up and putting them together and like making them available on time for shipment, like that kind yeah. of stuff, like that's gotta be insane amount of pressure, right? I mean, that's well, that's a lot. Yeah. You know, what's funny is like, I, I don't know why I don't get pressured about things like that. I worry about the stupidest things, but not actual things. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're like, yeah, like the I'm actual yeah, I'm worried about like, is my flight going to be on time? But like, not actually like, I don't know. I just really, really have a good trust in our team. They're so good that like, I, I know it's going to happen because we all care. Like, that's the key. Because like, you know, but that's just what I found in business, you know. Well, okay. So back to like, let me tell you. So then, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, let me, let me wrap that one up. So we, um, we ended up selling, I ended up selling the business in March of 2019. Um, and you know, that was something, you know, my, like I said, my major was tourism. So like, I'd gotten to a point where I was like, gosh, like, what if I don't know enough about business? Like, what if I don't want to like, you know, mess things up? Like I have a really good thing going. And so 
I just, you know, so I sold it. And so I stayed on as partner there um, and I stayed on for a year and a half. And then, you know, we parted ways, you know, just because, you know, I'd been running that business for a long time and, um, you know, the, the people that bought it wanted to run it, uh, you know, the way they wanted to run it, which I understand because they bought it. So, um, and then I took a year and a half off where I was like, gonna, I tried a direct to consumer brand. Cause I was like, I, I've seen these people do direct to consumer brands. I was like, I can do that too. So I was doing gummy vitamins and then we were doing wellness. It was called Cosmos Vita. Um, and turns out I super sucked at that. Um, wow. <laughs> that was not good yeah. direct to consumer. <laughs> it's really hard yeah yeah I mean, it's good to recognize your you know what you're not good at That's I know I was not good at that because like I like have an inflated sense of like I can do whatever um no I can't and I can't do that um so um I you know I had people in the industry being like please come back to beauty please come back to beauty so and when my non-compete was up, I did come back to beauty and um, I missed it so much. I came back to it like, you know, like if you lost your dad at Disney World and then you like found them in the crowd and you ran to them. I, this happened to me. <laughs> ran to them oh, and just hugged them so hard. Yeah. That is how I felt about beauty um, and manufacturing too, because like manufacturing is hard, man. Like there are problems every day, but it turns out I love problems every day because I like to solve problems, you know? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, you're a go-getter, clearly. I, like it's- I am. I'm I'm either like, let me tell you, I'm either a go-getter or I'm in my bed watching the Mindy Project. Like, wow. Well, yeah, we need to, like, I feel like we're very similar in that way. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. I, I right. can relate. I can definitely yeah. relate. Yeah. No, I mean, that's yeah. so cool, though, because, you know, I, and, you know, I do have the natural question of, you know, when you did transition and, you know, just kind of restart this whole thing in a way, like, how was that for you? Like, you know, psychologically, like, was it stressful? Was it like, you know, were you confident, like knowing like, no, you know what, I'm not worried about it. It's going to go great. I mean, what was that process like for you? Like transitioning from out of, you know, Texas and then into Cosmos. Well, you know, I've just read this article that was basically like, it was, it was like a psychology based article that was like, if you want to find basically a successful entrepreneur, a lot of them have had um, times where they had something to prove, whether it be when they were young with their parents or, or something like that. And I like, there's nothing that drives me stronger than wanting to show someone or something, something, you know what I mean? Where I'm like, I've been told, um, you know, that when I, you know, with the first business that I didn't have any business acumen, that I just got lucky that I caught lightning in a bottle. And my only skill was that I was able to hold on to that, you know, to, to native. Um, And so like, I really had felt that way when I exited that business, I thought, Oh, I do suck. Um, but then, you know, starting this business, I was like, I don't know. I just was like, I had something, I had something to prove to myself, honestly, like, cause I only, I'm very competitive, but I only compete with myself. Like other people, like I love cheering other people on. If someone's doing better than me, I'm excited for them. Like truly, because like everyone's on their own journey. So I'm only worried about my own. And so I wanted to prove to myself that I am, I am good at this, that this is, you know, this is my life's calling. It is my life's work and I love it so much. And so I think going in with that attitude, you know, and, and I have an amazing team here. We were able to like this year, this is our first year full, like our first full year of business. We started in June of last year and and we'll do more revenue this year with 
Cosmos. Then I did the year I sold Texas Beauty Labs. So it's been just a rocket ship of, uh, you know, and I think it's just because it's what I meant to be. You know how like when you're in the, like, I'm an old hippie on the inside. So when you're doing the thing you're supposed to be doing, I think things work out. And yeah, hell yeah. Congratulations, by the way. Oh my gosh. Thank you. It's because it's like where I'm supposed to be in the universe. And like, I have never been happier. Another thing I think about a lot of times um, is I think about whenever I get my hair done, I'm always like, go blonder, go blonder, go blonder. Like don't put the brown in there. And she's like, you have to have the brown so that you have to have the darker hair so that you can see the lights, lighter hair. Yeah. Yes. I had to have that contrast you know, of being so unhappy for a long time to really fully appreciate the lightness, you know? Yeah. That makes complete sense to me. You know, it's funny you say that because a long time ago, you know how everyone's like into new age these days, right? Yes, by the yes. way, fellow hippie here, by the oh, way. Yay! Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And like, you know, I remember a long time ago, I'm a big, uh, avid listener of Abraham Hicks. And, um, a long time ago I heard, um, you know, a clip and it literally was, I think for me, very revolutionary in the sense of like my perspective. And it was exactly what you just said here, which was, you know, there will be like no forward movement in your life until you experience the dark side of things. When you experience the dark side of things, that's when you figure out what you do want. And when you figure out what you do want, then you start focusing on what you want. And that's how you move forward. So that makes complete sense what you said. And I love that because, I mean, here we we are. You know, you just proved it. You know, like, it's like, you're doing great. You're doing amazing. You're doing way better than you ever were. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like your inner being saying, I want more, you know, and yeah. I'm going to do more. Yeah. It is so true. And I think it's something nobody wants to hear. Like you have to go through the suck to get to, you know, to the, to the other side. And I would have been like, I don't want to do the suck. <laughs> I don't want to, yeah. you yeah. know, but you just have to. And that is so good. And you know, it's funny is the my, um, the person that does my hair and um, she goes to all the Abraham Hicks like um, events. So, oh, cool. so like the darkness and the light makes all sense. It's like this, it all goes together. <laughs> this was meant to be, this episode was meant to be Mary. <laughs> it's so cool. No, you're the coolest though. That's so freaking fascinating. And I, and I love that. And I really want to learn more because I know that I had read about how your um, like Cosmos Labs is really kind of catering and helping a lot of indie brands. So I want you to speak to us about that. Like, I want you to talk about like, what kind of clients do you guys look for? You know, like what's your kind of, I guess, I don't know, is there like a checklist that you go through or like when you're signing a new client, what, what's that whole process like? Yeah. You know, um, we don't do marketing or anything like that. You know, I just, people we're, we're just dealing with inbound people right now. People have heard me like on different podcasts and we're really ramping up our social media. And so, um, you know, I think that that is what I think attracts the right people. So like, you know, obviously, like I said, old hippie, like I believe in the law of attraction, like things like I'm going to attract the right things. I'm going to put out certain things into the universe. And so, you know, we've been really lucky to find a lot of really great indie brands to work with, you know, um, I really like working with one of our magic spots is kind of like um, people who have really good marketing experience, like direct to consumer marketing experience. And then they kind of let me make my own, make the product. Right. I have a yeah. couple, a couple of people I'm working with right now that are like, basically I have like free reign to be like, I think you should do this, this, and this. We make the products. And I'm like, I think it should smell like this. And like, you know, basically I'm producing all I, you know, I'm um, developing and producing all of the products and then they go and market it. 
that's my favorite, obviously, because then I get to do whatever I want and make like all kinds of Mary Berry products out in the world. Right. Uh, you know, and so if I love those clients. I also really love, there's something really satisfying about helping someone get to the next level in business. So like um, indie beauty clients that have, you know, an existing line and they've been approached by, let's say, Urban Outfitters or Anthro or, you know, even Target and they need help getting to the next level. We're very good at that because we have a lot of experience with native, you know, with native, with that. Um, but besides that, like we've done a lot of scaling like that. We're like, we have a client um, that I worked with before that, you know, she did like, I don't know, I was making like 200 deodorants at a time for her and yeah. we just finished the load in for Walmart. So she's going to yeah. be in all 4,800 Walmarts um, with her deodorant, which is like, there's something just like, it almost feels selfish because I'm so satisfied. Like it feels like I don't know. Magical. That's magical. I mean, that's like, like, you know, people always say like when your dream comes true, it doesn't feel like it came true. It just feels like the next logical step. And so like, you know, when it happens, you're just looking at it like, wow, did this really just happen? Like, you know, yeah, that's crazy. I love that because you know what? That's like, we need to know that you're out there though. Like there's people such as yourself out there because I can't tell you, Mary, how many times I've interviewed like brands, right? Like small brands. And um, they always complain to me and they're like, Ecta, like, you know, there are manufacturers out here and people that are just saying, no, if you're not buying like, you know, 40,000 units, we're not even going to bother with you, you know, and they walk away disheartened and destroyed inside because they have this dream and they have this goal in mind. And they're just like, what do I do now? You know, I don't have $20,000 to put up right away, you know, that kind of thing. So that's where I'm like, so intrigued by like how you're approaching your business because there are a lot of you know we have a lot of listeners that are small brand founders so you know just for their sake I want to um, ask you you know in terms of um, like the unit size you know like is that something that you work with brands like one-on-one about like in terms of how many like minimum units you're gonna you know agree to making for them or how does that work we do for sure so you know <clears throat> like when we very first started Cosmos, I was like, no minimums, we're not kind of any minimums. And then like, then that didn't necessarily attract exactly the right people we were looking for. You know, we'll do 500, which is like so, so low. Um, You know, with Texas Beauty Labs, our minimum was 80, <laughs> 80 pieces, yeah. like, which, you know, obviously is untenable, but like, you know, the, the thing is like, if someone comes to us and says, we want to do 500 deodorants or whatever, I'll say, okay, like we'll do it. Like, you know, for the first couple of runs, we're happy to do that. Um, and what we'll do is we'll price out like 500 and then we'll go with, to our vessel and we'll be like, okay, when we make this product, we're going to make it in this vessel. And this vessel size is really 4,000 units. So we'll give them the price for 500 and 4,000 so that they can see when they can get that economy of scale, like what their pricing will be. Because like, let's say, because it is expensive to buy 500 things. So like, let's say at 500, they're buying a deodorant for $5, which is very expensive. They sell it for $12, right? Like that's not a good deal. But when we get to 4,000, their price is going to be $2 and 10 cents, you know? And and so then they can really understand, like if they want to do a trial in the market, it's not necessarily going to cost them a lot of money. Um, But, you know, they're not going to also make very much money at the beginning, but they can see how like the path to get there. 
that makes sense. And I like that you have that, like in, in the sense of like you're working with them and showing them that, because I feel like if I were to start a brand tomorrow, I would have no idea. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't know that. Like, I wouldn't know, like, okay, I should, you know, invest my money in a better strategy as far as like price per unit, even if you're buying, I mean, yeah, if you're buying 4,000 units, yeah, you have more units, but like, you know, at the end of the day, like if you believe in what you're doing and the price is better, like that makes a lot more sense, you know? So yeah. that's stuff that brand founders, I feel like they kind of miss that. And that's why I asked you because you know a lot of times that's the that's exactly the kind of question I get and I'm like I have no idea I don't know (laughs) yeah but yeah um, that's interesting um so I have a question then because I know that you know making things like it's obviously going to be different right for everybody like people are requesting different types of products so how does that work for you in terms of equipment like how do you figure out like what equipment you need or is it really kind of standardized in the industry at this point like it's pretty standard. It, it just depends. So like really we kind of, I kind of think about things as like hot fill, which, you know, hot fill is a whole different kind of thing. Hot fill meaning like deodorants or lip balms or anything that's solid like that has to be filled when it's hot. So like, think about it, like it's in, it's like molten state when it's hot and then we fill yeah. it into the container and then it like, it comes to room temperature and hardens up. So hot fill equipment is different than like just kind of like liquid, um, liquid fill and liquid mm. making. Um, so there are standard pieces of equipment. Um, you know, when we, as we grow, like we're bootstraps, meaning like we don't take investors, we don't take loans, that kind of thing. Like we, I just can't like investors is too hard for me. Like that's too much. That is what pressures me actually, not anything yeah. else. So we bootstrap, <laughs> like not the other things that I'm like, Oh, I don't like taking other people's money. Um, and so I, um, you know, like if we have, like, for instance, we have a client that is, you know, wanting to do lotion in a tube. So like, you know, we don't have a tube sealer right now, like today, but we've ordered one because now we have a client that needs it. So like, you know, we kind of buy equipment as we need it because we're new. Um, you know, and like, if someone comes and says that they want, you know, we have a, a big client coming in that's doing a really thick mask. So that necess- necessitates like bigger, stronger equipment with stronger horsepower to turn the, um, turn the, I don't know the word, but the, the side sweeps basically to like mix the product. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we just kind of know just from, we've made lots and lots and lots of things. So, and um, we just kind of know like the kind of key things to look for with like, Oh, you know, this, you know, actually we have a meeting every other week as new, a new product meeting, meaning like, um, our, um, product development side comes in and says, these are the products that we're working on. And then operations says, okay, well, if we do that, then we're going to have to buy a tube sealer. If we do that, then we're going to have to buy this. And then kind of as the executive team decides, okay, that is worth making the investment. And this is not. Did I just go off topic? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that is exactly what I was actually wondering. Is okay. that you okay. know the, this process? This process because I, I'm guessing you know as a like you know as a company that is manufacturing products, like I'm I'm sure you don't know off the bat. You know as soon as you open your doors, what you're going to need. So that makes total yeah. sense. Like you know, yeah. um, now I think one of my big questions, and this is actually for me because I recently launched a seal. You know, it's called the Safe Seal, and where oh. the reason I launched it is because there's a lot of I'm sure you know about this. There's a lot of misinformation out here. Yes. And I feel like it's a it's a good way, you know, it's my way of decluttering a lot of that misinformation. But one of the big things when I was crafting the, um, you know, the guidelines for the seal, manufacturing came up, right? It's like a process. Like you have to understand, you have to be able to check off some boxes with manufacturing because the FDA requires it. Um, yes. A lot of regulatory, comp- you know, agencies require 
like certain like protocols for manufacturing. So how does that work for you as a manufacturer? Like who regulates you guys? Like who do you go to and say, everything's in order, we're good. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Like, like how does that work? Literally no one. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which, that was a different answer. Um, but we, um, we are like, you know, we're, cert- we're not certified. It, you literally register with the FDA. So like yeah. we're registered lab with the FDA. Um, and then we go for ISO 22716. Um, and that is for, that's kind of like the ISO standard for manufacturing. It's not required. Um, you know, right now we're in the process of like, we're going to be audited for that in October. And um, so meaning like we're getting all of, it's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of like that kind of like, you know, quality standards and, um, you know, how we receive shipments, how we ship things out. Like it touches every little last part of the business. Um, but the kind of scary thing is it's not required. We do it because it is a standard that I can say to any company and say, we do 22716. They may not know what it means, but the ones that do know what it means require it. If that makes sense. You know? Yeah, that does make sense. That I mean, like that's that's exactly why I made this seal. <laughs> like, I know is- it's hard. I mean, everyone at every step in this industry, I feel like, ha- is dealing with this problem where it's like yeah. there's no requirement per se. Yeah. But then, know. you know, the smart the smart executives are like, but there's no requirement, but I'm still going to do it because you know what I mean. I'm I'm going to do yeah. it to do it. So I mean, yeah. I get that, and that's where I I have. Because, you know, my father, he's like a very like, you know, hardcore scientist. And he was asking me these kind of questions the other day. And I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, I was like, I know that the good manufacturers, like, you know, like you guys and you you do things very like in a very sanitary way. All those things yeah. are checked off. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, that's where I wonder, I'm like, who is like looking at this and checking these boxes? But that's interesting to know that you really do hold yourself accountable and you go and you make sure that you're, you know what I mean? Just for your own peace of mind, you do that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. For us, we do. I mean, literally like, I mean, no one comes in checks. I'll go ahead and say that like, if we produced a product that got recalled by the FDA or something like that, then they'll door knock you. But like, I'm going to knock on one. No business that I've ever owned has been door knocked by the FDA, you know? Um, So like, that's good. Uh, Meaning like we, we never had any issues, but like, you know, it's the FDA produces a list of who they're door knocking um, and tells you like, who like who they're sending uh, it's not door knocking it's like a letter they send and um but they do actually do really come to your door um but not my door yeah i mean i'm just i think that's probably applicable more towards people who are like just mixing things in their kitchen without any like yeah. sanitation and you know what i mean like <laughs> um those kind of things but yeah. i mean there's no need to do that and that's really where i want to go to next is that you know there's a lot of brands out here that you know they take a lot of pride in things like well i just make things in my kitchen and i'm like that's cool but not really you know i feel like you should go to a professional right yeah. because at the end of the day like there might be things you're not looking at or you're missing or some just get a second opinion you know what i'm saying yeah. like you do that with everything else so like i want to kind of get your advice about that for those brands is like you know if somebody was coming to you and saying hey mary you know i want to start this and i don't really feel like i need a manufacturer like what would you advise them you know like what would you say to them in terms of like kind of making them understand why you need that yeah i mean like I mean, when I first started, I made it in my, it wasn't my kitchen, it was my garage. So I don't know if that's worse or better, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, that's how I started. And so, you know, I know a lot of brands start that way. And, and I would say like, you know, we have, a, you know, Mocha coming up 
um, at the end of the year. Um, and that is really going to, I think, put a kibosh on people making it in their, you know, in their kitchens. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, you know, it's hard for me. And I feel like I'd be like a bad person to be like, you shouldn't make it in your kitchen when I made it in my garage, which, you know, um, but there are a lot of things that, you know, obviously I've learned along the many years I've been doing this, that like, when I think back to things I did in my garage, I'm like, Ooh, like, you know what I mean? No, one was yeah. like, no one was pleasing me. And I thought I was doing a great job, but you know, my dog was in there like, LOL, my dog, like just hanging out, you know, it's a nice dog, but like a dog where I'm making products, it's horrible. You know, uh, that was a very long time ago. I'm just PS. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you had to start from somewhere though, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone yeah. starts from somewhere. So I get yeah. that. I just that because you have the hindsight, that's why I asked, because, you know, yeah. I think a, a lot of times you can save people from making, you know, like not mistakes, but just why even go there? If you, if you already know, like someone has the experience, they're telling you, like, don't even bother just, you know, do yeah. it the right way kind of thing. So yeah, that's, yeah. That's safety first, right? Like safety is the most important thing to me here. Like of everything, like safety of our employees, safety of people making products, safety of, you know, when we send products out, making sure that it's safe, like, you know, from a, a yeast mold bacteria perspective, from an efficacy perspective, like there's nothing worth, like, I'm just like, love people so much. There is nothing worth like anyone getting harmed in the making or using of any cosmetic product. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I'm sorry to bring it up and this has, this is kind of random for all the listeners out there, but I, I know you guys remember the whole Jaclyn Hill, you know, debacle that happened, right. With the hair and the lipsticks and stuff like that was like a very scary moment. I think for all of us, (laughs) it super bums me out. It super bums me out from both perspectives, right. Because she doesn't necessarily realize what's happening as the founder of that brand. Right. Like it would have been impossible for her to check every single lipstick, even if she wasn't an influencer, you know what I mean? Like, so I felt really bad for her. I also felt really bad for the people who received the products, you know what I mean? Like, I think what could have been in that is better vetting of the manufacturer, right? Like if you, some like red flags for like manufacturers, if if they won't let you come to their facility, like I'm like, come one, come all to my facility, please come, come before you're a client, come when you're a client, you know, I have clients regularly come and they'll stay for the week and we'll just, you know, They'll work out of our phone booths here in the office. You know what I mean? And like, they'll take random like videos just for like their socials. And you know what I mean? Like we love visitors. Like when people are like, can I come visit? Cause like they always ask so tentatively and I'm like, yes, please come, please come. And I'll show you a good time in Austin. But besides that, (laughs) like, you know, we want them to see what we're doing and how we're making it. And, you know, to be able to trust us because trust is such a huge thing because I'm sure she trusted her manufacturer and like, you know, they, turned out and not great like that no, I felt I, I'm with crazy. you on that though with the whole duality thing I felt really bad for Jacqueline like for real I was like yo yes. if some if that happened to me I would have been so angry at my manufacturer yes. like why didn't you tell me you know what I mean like why didn't you so like that also leads me to ask you like you know just from like the perspective of an, of an expert like if you think like a manufacturer is doing something wrong like what is like what you've noticed as like industry standard of like reaching out to a customer like how would you how do manufacturers do that like how do they like like if something for example like goes wrong right and something's not being produced correctly like is there like some sort of industry standard that you know of that like where you have to reach out within a certain number of days or like I mean I don't know anything about this that's what I'm asking (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, you know, there might be some sort of ISO standard to that that I don't know about for the 22716, but I can tell you what I do. And yeah, there are yeah. few, there's a few instances I can think of because they are burned in my brain. Um, but one of them is we had made this facial mist and um, we sent it out like it had passed. It had passed, um, you know, the um, you smell bacteria testing, the challenge test. And so like it passed the challenge test, but like there's something in my gut that like it was new on the shelves. And there's something in my gut that I was like, oh, like, let's double check that test because, you know, we test every product before before we release it. But I had released it before, you know, we were out of spec, meaning I released it before because she wanted it on the shelves for Black Friday. So I'd released yeah. it before I we had checked the um the final um, yeast mold bacteria test of the actual batch and it failed. And like we had made it, we had, we'd made 5,000, we had like packaged it up in all of their packaging, which they buy. So there's like a lot writing on it. Like before I could even, I mean, it was four seconds before I was on the phone with her, like being like, we like, I need to tell you this, pull them off your shelf right now. We can talk about it later, <laughs> but call all the stores and tell them to pull it from the shelf right like and so you know what we did in that case because you know we made it right meaning we paid for their components we remade it you know we basically reformulated it but like i am on the phone <laughs> we had another instance where like the wrong version of a material was used so think about like organic versus non-organic oh, yeah. like of something yeah. and so, so like me sitting here in my seat but I'm like, you know, obviously human nature, you think the first thought is no one will ever know. The second thought that I always ask myself is what is the right thing to do? Any, like, that is what we are taught. Like it is a company culture. What is the right thing to do? And so like this, I know the answer. The right thing to do is get on the phone. So again, within 10 seconds, I was on the phone with her being like, you know, it was checked in wrong. We have some internal issues that we're addressing and, um, you know, but I want you to know this was used instead of this, you know, and so then it's up to them because I can't make that decision. That's not up to me. It's their brand. It's their reputation. It's their, you know, it's their things, you know, and they're going to have to overlabel or do whatever other thing to it. Um, and so that is something that, you know, we always take financial responsibility for. Um, and that's why we're such a good partner. I think people use the word partner as a very like cliche or like a very like, um, it's a buzzword, right? I'm your partner. And I'm yeah. like, oh, really? Well, like I always, my money where my mouth is with being partners, because like, if we done messed up, then we are going to fix it, you know? So exactly. And that responsibility aspect is, I think, so, so key. And I love everything you said, because, you know, even in medicine, they ask us these kind of questions or they'll say something like, you know, um, hey, you know, if if you mess up right as a doctor, what are you going to do? Well, the first thing you're what supposed you to do, do is tell the patient. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm like, really? Because like, I've never thought about a doctor messing up. Yeah, no, no. They, they like have to teach us this. Like we go through these like trainings about this stuff now because apparently it's happened so many times where like a doctor has messed up and not disclosed it to a family or a patient and so we have now gone through this process as a medical community where we have to teach people about ethics you know like morality yeah. ethics like these are yeah. all things that are like so applicable in I think every industry because we all face it we all deal we with do. this we're human beings you know at the we're end of the day human. That's why yeah. like it's it's hard for me to admit my first thought is oh no one will ever know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But like 
That's a that's that, our thought. That's honestly, Mary. That's not just, I mean, even as yes. as a physician, I can tell you right now, there have been like I've you know like spoken to residents. You know, they'll be like, "Well, you know, doc, I didn't know. You know, I just I messed up. I didn't want to tell you though." And I'm like, "Why the hell would you not tell me?" <laughs> like you yes. have to tell me. <laughs> You know, because yeah. the thing is, as long as you are doing your part and letting the person know, then it's in their hands, you know? And so that's, I completely hear you. I think that's something that's really important. I, I do see a lot of people that just, you know, they may take that decision into their own hands. And this really goes back to your point about being a partner. It's like, you know, when you think about being a partner, what do you think of? You think of transparency, right? You don't want yeah. to be yeah. working with somebody who's not going to tell you everything. That's just, yeah. that's not a partnership. That's yeah. whatever the hell it is, you know, but like at the end of the day, I mean, if, if you're working with someone trustworthy, they're going to tell you everything. And then it's up to you to make your decisions and figure out what to do next. But I love that you had mentioned it the way you did, because I think a lot of brands, they don't really know what to look for. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a manufacturer, they don't know how to look for that transparency. They don't know how to like, what, like exactly what you said, where you invite people in, you know, you keep your doors open. Like that's yeah. a huge thing. I mean, if you're a brand out there or founder and your manufacturer is telling you, Hey, no, we don't let anyone into yeah. our lab. You really should think about what the heck you're doing, like why you're going with them, you know, and what is it that they're hiding behind those doors, you know? Yeah. So yeah. That, that's really, really uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, now I think my next like question really revolves around this whole experience of like I think just being like a woman in business because I feel like we don't talk about it nearly enough. I know there's a lot of people that you know they might say things like this are cliche, but I never find them to be cliche. I never think that there's ever enough advice from women who have made it in this world because I know growing up, like even in my career, I'm sure you've experienced it. We all have where there were so many times where I wished. Like, I wish a woman would tell me, you know what I mean, what to do, like what her experience was like. So Mary, I really want to ask you, like for all the listeners out there that are like aspiring entrepreneurs, or maybe they want to go into manufacturing, you know, for themselves, like who knows anyone out there, young professionals, like any advice that you have about, you know, going and being a career minded person and doing it right and being successful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I was born um, with this, like, I would say like, um, like, I don't know the word I'm trying to say, like this. Um, oh my gosh, you're gonna have to edit that part out. Cause I can't say, it, I can't figure it out. <laughs> this energy, like this confidence, right? Like unearned, <laughs> unearned confidence. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I was just born with it. And so I don't know my parents, like I was adopted and my parents, want a baby, a baby, like, you know, I have a brother, but I wanted two babies so bad that like, I mean, I was like, they, they pumped me up so hard. They were like, you're the smartest person in the room. You're the most beautiful. Oh, Mary Beth, you're amazing. You're amazing. You're amazing. You're amazing. So I was like, oh my God, I'm so amazing. So like, that's how I, and so, you know, I think it was partially that partially, I think I just was born this way, but like, you know, someone said to me the other day that I had white male energy and it tickled me to death because like, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I, I do. And like, I wish that wasn't a thing I want to have. I just want to have, I don't know, good energy, right? Like yeah. I want, I don't know. Cause to me, like, okay. We also think about like international women's day. Like we did all these things last year for international women's day or this year, whenever it was. And like, we went to like, you know, a thing at Kendra Scott's, you know, cause she's in Austin and we did all these things. And I thought to myself, like, why are we, why are we like 
why are we so big on International Women's Day? Because like, I think I'm the same as everybody else. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I need a day, you know, but then after talking about it, I think there, there are people out there that need the hand up, right. To be like, I'm a woman and I can do it. And they were, they're in different circumstances than me. But what I'd like to propose is that we say that to everybody, like people who like, you know, I'm a, I'm a person and I want to do this thing. And maybe they don't have, you know, the same, the same energy that I was like born and fostered with, you know, and I want to help all of those people. And I don't know how that sounds or whatever, but I think for me, like, I don't know. I think that, you know, I definitely, as a woman, I guess, I guess the other point is, as a woman, like there's been some instances in business where I've been treated differently, or they talk to my husband instead of me. And I'm like, he, like, you know, at the time he barely works here. Like, are you kidding me? Like I'm yeah, like, what the heck? You know, Why? <laughs> to me, I write those people off as idiots and I'm just like, they just, they just are idiots. And so like, it doesn't bother me. I just keep going. Like, yeah. I'm like, it's them. It's not me. Like, it's kind of like, you know, in therapy, we learn all of these things about like, you know, when people behave a certain way, it's about them. It's not about you, you know? And so I guess that's my outlook on it is like when people discriminate me because I'm a woman, I'm like, well, they're idiots. Like, you know what I mean? It's them. It's not me. I'm amazing. <laughs> like, I, don't know. I love that. Oh my gosh. I I'm like, do you, or does it sound stupid? I don't know. No, it's, it sounds amazing. I mean, that is like how you should be though. Like, I mean, I feel yeah. like if you can own yourself as a person, like your personality yeah. and take responsibility for who you are and love who you are, then mm-hmm. you kind of start tuning the world out. So it makes total sense. You know, it's like, I feel like the people like, yeah, and I see this a lot with youth and that's why, see, that's why I asked you, I asked you this question because there's a lot of like angst out there. I mean, for lack of a better term, you know, I look at Gen Z right now and there's no, no shade to Gen Z. I love you guys. Okay. I know you're growing up and it's a, it's a scary world out here. I get it. You know, and, it and but, but here's the thing, you know, at one point you have to be like, I need to figure out what the heck I want to do. And I need yeah. to just do it. Okay. And what if that means get going out and getting like, you know, whatever degree you need or whatever certification you need or finding the funding you need, go do it. And that's why yeah. I ask you, because it's like, I feel like people start to make this like, I, this negative, um, like micro environment, you know what I mean? Like emotionally around themselves. And they start like being so down on themselves because I, I'm not kidding, Mary. Every time I dread going onto TikTok, because every time I open it, I see depressed teens and I'm like why are so you depressed <laughs> and they're mean like those depressed teens that are mean like I yeah. bullied they're on like, TikTok and I don't know to each like, other like <laughs> they're mean to each other and me I'm 45 year old woman and like for two days I was crushed because a 13 year old said that they didn't like my face <laughs> what like, the heck, so mean. but I had to like I had to take it you know it's it's important to remember right so like yeah. for two days I was like gosh maybe my face is weird but then I was like oh my god they're 13 remember when there's I was nothing wrong with your face you have a beautiful no, I know. face <laughs> it's fine it's fine we're fine um yeah. but you know what I mean like it it does and you have to like I agree like you know, I think that this business, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't handed to me. Like I came from a very middle-class family. Like, you know, my parents didn't have a ton of money. Like I don't come from money. Every dollar that I've made, every dollar that I have is a dollar that I made, 
Yeah. You know, and I bootstrapped my last business when I bootstrapped that, like I had to sell my car. I, you know, pawned my wedding ring like 10 times to fund payroll. Like, you know, our house went into foreclosure. Like we didn't foreclose on it, but it went into foreclosure. Like, you know, we, that was the last business. It was a long time ago, but that's, you know, that was how determined I was to make that business work. You know, yeah, and that's a journey. That was your journey. Yeah. I mean, you had to go through that. It's like what we started the episode with, you know, is this idea of contrast. And I feel like that's exactly yeah. what I think this generation needs to hear more of is that it's not yeah. always going to be a bright, sunny day. There are going to be days where you feel like you can't do it. But that doesn't mean you sit on your couch and you cry all day about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have to get True. back up, you know? And so, like, I'm, I don't know, maybe for me, I think I'm more of like, I, I believe in like tough love a lot, I think, and it comes off wrong. So maybe, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, but like, at the end of the day, I'm going to be real. I mean, what you just said is real, you know, that's life. Like that happens. And if you're not ready to face that, like what you need to be able to face that you have to strengthen up a little bit is my point. And so, yeah, and I'm glad you, but I'm glad that you, you know, had those trials and tribulations because look where you are now. You know, like, look, yeah. look what it came to, you know, that's the idea. Yeah. 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 So, this is my adventure. Like I, you know, I would say like, no matter how much money I ever end up at the end of all of this with, like, I'm not going to leave my kids a ton of money because like, this is my adventure. Do you know what I mean? Like if my parents had given me a ton of money, I'd be like, I, I, I'm a really big believer in this is my adventure and like I love my laughing maniacally you know I mean I love it all and I want to give that gift to them you know exactly no 100% I I completely agree with you and I think that that's really what the takeaway here is is that you have to learn to love your life and you have to go on this adventure and you have to do it unapologetically sorry and and just own it you know own it own up to whatever it is you want in your life and I love I just love everything you do, Mary. You're doing such a great job. And I really, really applaud you because we need more people that are, that think like this, you know what I mean? That are go-getters that will go out there and do it rather than sit down and talk all day. You know, I can't tell you how many times I see that, you know, even in like my day-to-day life, like I'll, you know, come across people like at the hospital or patients or whatever it might be. And they're just like, well, I would do it if, and I'm just like, man, you got to stop saying that. You know what I mean? Like, just yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. just stop beating yourself down kind of thing. But yeah. no, I, I, I see it a lot. But no, thank you so much, because this has been such a lovely episode. And I loved, you know, your energy. I love talking to you about this. I think you're doing such a great job, obviously. I mean, it shows, you know, what I, mean? I don't have to say anything. <laughs> but um, for everyone listening, I hope you guys learned a lot in this episode about um, not only, you know, just manufacturing, but also just life, you know, yeah. that's kind of the goal. So um, yeah. if you did chime in, let us know what you think. And if you have any questions for Mary's team, please let us know. We will definitely pass the questions along to her team and get you some answers. But thank you so much, Mary. This has been truly an honor. I really oh my mean God. it. Thank- Thank you so much. This was amazing. Best part of my week, for sure. Probably my month. So thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. And for everyone listening, I will be back next time.